everyone, welcome back to another episode of the University Podcast. Today we'll be talking about making a difference. Um, And this episode has always been one that I've envisioned. And I think as uni students, it's so easy for us to feel powerless and as though we're not good enough to make a difference in this world and achieve our dreams. And I'm sure we've all at one stage wondered, like, I would love to do this, but what if I can't? What if no one supports it? Who would want to listen to it? How do I get there? Well, today we have someone who is asked and answered all of the questions above, Christina. Hello. Um, and Christina has her Instagram, Cambridge is possible. Is that, yeah? And, yes, yes. Um, basically, Christina built and opened a library in Batase in Nepal with the help of people from all over the world. So today I wanted to chat to her about how she did it and what she had to go through to get there. Um, So I guess the first thing I want to talk about is how did you get the idea for your project? Yeah, so um, this is a question I often get. I went to Nepal just after I graduated from high school in Cairns and I went to a village called Batase and I met the people over there and they were the most beautiful people I've ever met in my life. But they were, many of them were victims of human trafficking Mm -hmm. and it was so daunting to... um, see this um listen to them and it touched me so much like these girls have gone through so much at such a young age and um, we started thinking when I returned to Australia like what can I do like I can't stop human trafficking in this village but what could change um their lives in a way and we've I interviewed the people of Batase and asked them what do you need what do you want and so many people said books like, because we can't read, we often trapped into this uh, cycle of exploitation yeah. uh, because we don't know, um, we want access to more information. So that's how the idea blossomed. That's so cool. And I guess from there, so you had this idea that you wanted to help, you knew they wanted yeah. books or education of some sort. And yeah. how did you sort of like action that idea? Like from having this vision of, helping in some way like did you think of a library or how did you take the next step because I feel like so many uni students myself included have so many ideas but then don't know where to go or how to find out where to go to make it happen so I was in first year first sem of uni and I was like okay I love this village I love the people in it I have an idea I don't know what to do so I would have I wrote an email to an NGO in Paris called libraries without borders Mm -hmm. basically giving them everything um that I've learned in the village and that I want to do this project if I can um and I asked them if I could somehow lead their first Nepal project in Batase um and it was so terrifying to send that email to an NGO on the other side of the world yeah they listened they responded um saying okay let's do it but come over to Paris and tell us more about your idea Mm -hmm. Um, so it was like risking in a way yeah but also like I felt it like this is it this is the only way I could get this through um and I went to Paris for an internship in 2017 wow and did you how did you find libraries without borders was that something you researched I actually, it was a complete coincidence. I was working in Cairns in an art gallery and there was a visitor 
uh, who came and I was like, oh, why are you in Cairns? And he told me uh, he's just uh, on like a business trip because he's a director of an NGO called Libraries Without Borders. Oh my gosh. It was a so complete cool. coincidence, but it was like fate. If I didn't yeah. meet him that day, I wouldn't have been able to do this project. Yeah, wow. And I guess you sort of answered this just um, previously, but when you had to approach this NGO, which is like this whole company, not only that, but also on the other side of the world. Yeah. Were you like afraid because you're a uni student firstly, and secondly, how did you overcome that fear of, you know, sort of being so young and, you know, you're like 17, 18 and you're trying to talk to these big companies and how did you feel and how did you overcome maybe any fear that you had? Yeah, definitely. I was scared that um, my idea wasn't valid in a way and that it wasn't worth their time. But, like, the thing that I always hold on to is, like, the girls, the girls who get trafficked and who get Mm -hmm. lured into these traps, like, the fear that they experience is so much bigger than what I experience. Like, this is nothing compared to what they go through. Like, if I can do this for them, like, hopefully they can have a better future and that was really motivating for me but also it was like what can I lose I pitch an idea they don't listen they say no I move on yeah like it wasn't end of the world yeah um but yes it was very terrifying especially I had one month in Paris to come up with a proper project proposal oh my god all by yourself yeah they've never had a student leader project so they really didn't know what was going to happen and like I obviously didn't so we were like okay make a proposal so um in the process of making it I interviewed the people in the village again spoke to another charity that works in the village and then at the end of my internship I had to present it to the director Mm -hmm. Uh, and it was very scary we were just two of us in the room and I handed him the proposal and he just read it like it was about 20 pages long and he read it in silence and it was like oh my gosh this is terrifying but at the end um he put the proposal down and looked at me and said congratulations this is it let's do it oh wow and that's probably like the best part of it like somebody listened and yeah and they will always listen if you tell them why you're doing this I think I think the other thing with like this project and any project of this nature is when it comes from the heart, I feel like that really comes across in what you're doing. So what you were doing was very selfless and not for any sort of motive, like ulterior motive or anything that you wanted, but to help these kids. And I think that when that happens, regardless of, you know, whether you get knocked down multiple times or like rejected multiple times or just get... Um, someone who listens straight away I think that when it comes from a good place it'll always be heard I think that's a really positive way to think about it yeah definitely thank you yeah um the other thing I want to talk about and we were talking about this just before is sometimes when you have I know that when you have ideas like this podcast for example it can be a bit daunting to tell your friends about it and get them on board and I know um by the way everyone should watch Christina's videos on YouTube they will make you cry like they made me cry um but um your YouTube so on your YouTube there it showed how you had multiple of your many of your uni friends with you yeah and 
how did you manage to get them on board and like were you afraid of like being judged maybe or not getting the support you wanted yeah um I wasn't afraid of being judged because like this wasn't really for me this was for the people of Batasi and like if people are gonna judge me for doing this it was like okay you can do that whatever yeah but um the when I proposed the idea the whole the core I like goal of this project was that university students were going to lead the project yeah. and no big company, like no one was going to sponsor us. We were just going to do it on our own. Yeah. But that was an idea that Libraries Without Borders really liked. So when I got back to Australia, I just held information sessions all, all around the university, mm-hmm. um, just putting it up on Facebook and also putting posters around uni and just talking to every single person about it. Like, hey, I'm doing this. Do you want to come and listen? And if 100 people came, only maybe, like, five would express their interest by the end. Yeah. Like, I spoke to so many people about the project, and they'd say, okay, I'll come. But the next day, they will go, oh, sorry, I don't think I can. Yeah. Um, so at the end, 13 uh, stuck by my side. So 12 of them were from Australian National University and one from Queensland University of Technology. So apart from the girl from QUT, none of them were, like, we were not friends. Mm -hmm. They were complete strangers who heard about the project and who were, like, equally passionate about this cause and this project. Yeah. Um, So it was hard. It took me nearly a year and a half to find a team at the end. Um, And we lost a lot of team members, and that happened. And I guess, like, I always had to think, the people who are meant to be with me will stay until the end. Yeah, and so you guys raised all the money yourself as well? Yeah, so oh, wow. yeah, we weren't sponsored by any big companies. Uh, the whole thing was based on crowdfunding. Um, so it was mainly done in Canberra and Cairns, where I'm originally from. Uh-huh. So my high school back in Cairns, my previous workplace and um, friends back home, they all shared the GoFundMe page and it was like a miracle. I opened the page last January and by May, uh, end of May, we reached $10,000. So Wow, that's amazing. Like, wow. <laughs> yeah, well done. I think that's such a good, such a great achievement. Um, and I feel like that's one of the things that uni students face. A lot of projects that maybe a uni student would want to do would need support I think everybody needs support and to get that team together um it's understandable and I think like you telling us it's been it took you a year and a half um that's a considerable amount of time just to make a solid group yeah um and other than the like uni side of it and convincing people to join what were some of the other challenges you faced in making your project a reality yeah um I guess another challenge um, that I had to experience was the questions I received from people yeah. that often hurt me in a way. Yeah. Um, like many people messaged or like asked to meet up with me to like question me and why I was doing this and that it was wrong in a mm-hmm. way. Um, some people asked me like, what about the other villages? Why are you just concentrating on one? Yeah. Or like, what if somebody burns the library down? Um, and it's really disheartening, like, okay, it's okay if you don't help, but you don't have to, like, pull me down. Pull you down for it, yeah. That was a challenge, but also the other one was, 
working with the local people in Nepal. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, we have communication barriers and they don't have access to internet every day. So, like, in the process of organising um, the library, like, trying to buy furniture, trying to organise people to come and put a projector up, like, it was a big mess. Yeah. Um, the roads would close or something would happen, like, the power line would break down so we had no electricity. And, like, it's Nepal, so you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Yeah. And it, being prepared, being patient, and also like accepting that sometimes things will go wrong, but really everything works out in the end. Yeah, and did you? So did you guys um, have like a tour guide sort of thing, like when you were going up there and stuff with you, or it was all you guys? Yeah, so um, definitely we. So this charity in Cairns is called Friends of Himalayan Children, and they have a volunteer a slash trekking company yeah that and the people who run it are from the village so from the beginning until the end of the trip we were with um many guides but also students from the village so it wasn't just us in the village building uh, the building was done when we arrived uh last december and we spent two weeks on painting furnishing and the most important was training the villagers on how to access the information yeah in this because they've never had this like if we just dumped it to them they wouldn't have used it um to its max capacity and so we got different classes every day one day we'd get class six next like year seven eight and we just train everybody this is how you use a digital library this is how to turn on a tablet. Really simple things. Yeah. Um, but they were amazing. They were so engaged and excited and um, and it was all worth it. Yeah, when you see that. Um, yeah. And how long did the whole thing take you from... So you started it in your first year? Yes. And when was it done and built and you trained everyone and it was all set the library was officially opened on christmas day 2018 so only like a few months ago oh wow so it took a year year, almost two years yeah probably exactly two years because the first time i went to nepal was 2016 december oh wow so two years yeah Um, and the whole time you were also at uni and studying so how did you find balancing that because this is you know you were heading it and it was a considerable amount of work yeah um Um, I'm not gonna lie like it wasn't the easiest and I was very stressed out at some point yeah um because I was so emotionally attached to the project as well Mm -hmm. um but like to me the project was also like a hobby yeah so if I studying and then I needed a break like I would go on to working on this project because it made me so happy and so like excited and like oh I would wake up tomorrow so it was like a motivation and like when you're in uni you feel a bit detached like oh I'm studying law I want to help make the world a better place Mm -hmm. but you're like but I'm so far away yeah but then switch my mind on to working on this project and feel more like tangible and this is real work it's actually happening yeah and did you find like you needed to schedule and stuff a little bit more and like focus on planning out your time definitely because yeah it'd have to sacrifice a lot yeah um, to work on this project 
Um, so there's definitely, like, if you want to do something, like, that you've got to put in a lot of time and commitment. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, if we had an event coming up, like a fundraiser, we'd schedule it a few months in advance so everybody could participate, everybody could help me. Um, it wasn't last-minute thing. Yeah, so planning that, like, way in advance would, yeah, mean, would mean you were sort of, like, focused on a fundraiser three months in advance. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And, like, not to just plan it on your own. Like, involve your team members. Like, listen to them. and Because everybody brings something different. And, like, as cliche as it sounds, like, it's so important. Because on the team, not like, it wasn't everyone from law school. It was some mm-hmm. people from history or some people studying science or archaeology. So everyone had different areas of interest. Yeah. And, and I think that's the best thing about being at uni and leading a project in university because how you can get so diverse. Yeah, that's so true. And what, like, as a leader, did mm. you face any challenges with that? Like, kind of, and was it, I guess my question would be, like, was it a little bit trying to be sort of a peer and work with um, the people in the group but also lead? Because they are people of your age and it's not like, you know, they're five years younger or something. Yeah, definitely. That was a really big challenge, actually, now that you've mentioned it. Because I, like, wanted to do the project really well and lead. But also, I didn't want to be bossy and annoying. Yeah, and I mean, because I see how sometimes it can seem like, oh, well, this person's my age or, you know, we're all, you know, the similar age group. So why are they bossing, bossing me around or whatever? So, yeah, I just wanted to take a feel for how you sort of managed that and found the balance between being, like, both a friend and a teammate but also a leader. Yeah, um, I think everybody has to appreciate that, like, if you're a leader, you're going to do a little bit more. Yeah. So, okay, if you tell other people to help out. So, in the village, um, there was a bit of a tension, actually, because, um, like, we're all girls and we didn't know how to like spend so much time with each other Mm -hmm. so the people weren't getting along um at one point of the trip and it was either I don't speak up or I just let it go but I decided to speak up like hey guys we're here as volunteers like if there's anything wrong like please come and speak to me like like let's try to solve this and clear the air um so as a leader you also have that opportunity where more people will listen to you yeah. Um, and yes, you can sound a bit bossy, but I'm sure like deep down in their hearts, they know you're doing it for the better good. Yeah. Yeah. I think like something I found so confusing when I entered uni, like from, you know, when people make that transition from school to uni at school, you're so used to like having the teacher be the the person that picks people for a group or a team or, you know, yeah. organizes something. And then you get to uni and you might want to, get a role in a society or something like that and it's you might be in first year and a second year might be interviewing you so you know and like to me that just like even now even after being at uni for a year and a bit it's still like confusing sometimes when I see that I'm like oh this person is my age or like a year less than a year older so what difference is there and what you know difference in skill yeah so I do understand how to like, and now that I've been at uni for a year and I'm kind of in the, in picking position in some cases, I just like, I just sort of see how hard it can be to be both. And as someone as well, who's super like 
passionate about things that they do and super attached stuff and wants to do well. I know that you as well wanted to do your best in this project and yeah. do the, your best possible effort. I, I can understand how sometimes you come across as really pushy or bossy. Yeah. Um, and you want to be cool as well and still be a friend. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think admitting like what you just said is like the best. The yeah. fact that you acknowledge you're only one year older than those people and you're in this position, like, oh, I feel a bit awkward. Yeah. I know you do too, but like, this is where we are now. Like, and we're not here to judge you. Like, I'm here to put you where you're meant to be or where you would um, blossom and be the best you. And I think being open is so important. Like, you feel uneasy at times because you're just not being honest. Mm. Um, and on on the trip like we were open if something happened I told them like okay speak up if you're not happy with me say it to my face don't talk behind my back yeah because like people know if you're doing that and what's the point in doing that we're all adults here um, and we're all here to do something wonderful and you're trying to create like something positive and yeah, I think it would be it would have been very difficult to do um, what you've done without having like a cohesive group because then all the energy goes into solving you know dispute and issues and stuff yeah. like that rather than like on the project. So I did yeah. see that, and I wanted to ask you what advice or tips would you give to any uni student who might have a dream, um, such as yours or something different, yeah. and wants to action it. Yeah. Um... I spoke to another girl today who had this wonderful idea of development projects, but then she was like, I'm too scared because my idea is too big. And I was like, why are you scared? Um, And it's so okay to be scared. Like you can't be brave without being afraid. Yeah. Um, So my advice would be to send that email. If I never sent that email, this none of this would have happened. Like, go speak to that professor who you think might be interested in your project. Like, tell everyone. And if they don't listen, that they're not meant to be a part of your project. Mm-hmm. And also, I asked um, one of my favorite professors, and he told me to persist. Like, I said, give me one advice. And he said, persist. Mm. Persist. Like, I never once throughout this journey thought we can't make this happen. But, like, there were so many days I was, like, doubting it. Yeah. Like, something's going to go wrong or, like, I'm going to have to solve this issue. But we, I did not think this was not possible. So I think that's the key. Like, no matter how big your idea or how, like, stupid to some people it might seem, like, if you, like, solely and passionately believe in it, they will see that. Mm-hmm. Um, and and people who supported our project, 500 people from 14 different countries, complete strangers that I wow. never met. And I only told stories of these beautiful people I met and that touched them. So yeah. I think storytelling is really important as well. And how did you deal with, like you like before when you were talking about the people that would bring your project down, bring you down, whatever, how did you deal with that Um and put it sort of behind you and put it like push it aside yeah um I usually would have like dismissed it like okay what's wrong with you why are you doing this to me but then I decided to speak up like Mm -hmm. okay I I understand your fair point um but why are you so curious about that part of the project like 
you could invest your energy in assisting the project and yeah. actually confronting them because mm-hmm. sometimes they also don't know that what they're saying is hurtful um but also sticking to the people that love you and that support you because yeah. you probably have like 10 people who are supporting you and there's one person who's saying bad things and you only care about that one person like you're also not respecting yourself and wasting your energy yeah um so always remembering or i always keep a journal so every night i would write all the wonderful things that happened to me today like i always say like today can't be perfectly beautiful but there's something beautiful in today yeah sticking to that is so important especially like in this world where everybody's complaining yeah constantly Mm -hmm. um and at the end of the day if you're having difficulties with your project and it's stressing you out like it's only like that because you have a wonderful project you're leading yeah and I think if it gets you up in the morning and keeps you up at night and you're really excited to do it and work on it I think exactly. that um yeah that sort of um passion is really hard to find these days I feel that sort of excitement to do something like if you have something you're passionate about something you love like please please pursue it do not let go of it do not listen to anybody like when i like cambridge is possible is not yeah. just applicable to cambridge like to me it's like everything like cambridge a big grand university that's hard to get into like but anything is possible and i know that once you made a post i still remember it you were like um it was a while ago but on your instagram you said something like um cambridge is possible with your handle but the Cambridge could be anything for anybody and whatever you feel like yeah. you want to do, that's possible. I remember that post. I really like that one. <laughs> that's awesome. Thank you. <laughs> um, and I think the other thing I just wanted to say is like after starting this podcast, which is the first thing I've ever done that's been a bit, you know, offbeat and not just like what everyone yeah. does, you know, study, go to uni, go to school. I, I realized that you might be really surprised by people's reactions Mm-hmm. And some people that I thought would be like, no, I do not want to be on your podcast or like make fun of me for doing it have actually been some of the most positive people, you know, and supported me through it. So yeah. I feel like it is, it is scary and you have to take that plunge, but you might just find that you're surprised by who, by people's reactions. Yeah. And so many people, you know, come came up to me after I told them about it and been like, oh, I've always had this idea. Or I've always wanted to start this. And that's, like, inspired me to do it. Um, yeah. Because, you know, we're just a couple of uni kids from Sydney. Like, it's not – so we feel powerless. So, um, yeah, I think this story is really great for anyone feeling that way. And mm-hmm. it is possible. That's so true. And like, I'm so thankful that you're spreading this message through your podcast. And um, the power of one is so important. Like, you don't know who's listening to your podcast. I know. Do you know I actually have Nepal listeners? Really? Yeah. I just, um, like, you can, you can, fun fact, if you have a podcast, you can check the location of your listeners. And obviously the majority of mine are Australian, but like, there's a few from other countries and I have like a few... Listens from Nepal recently, so hopefully they're listening. That's awesome. Well, hello to all the Nepalese listeners. <laughs> um, yeah, but I was like, 
it's really amazing what you know we can do these days with technology and stuff like when all this data pops up and people in Nepal are listening and like Sweden are listening it's yeah. quite you know I realize oh it's not just my friend that I've told it's making yeah. a bigger impact than what you think yeah exactly so and yeah sorry yeah it can't get bigger if you haven't started then you That's started true. it and here it is now That's true. And they're only gonna get bigger and I also read somewhere like this is completely random but about letting go of things that you've been holding on to mm-hmm. um if it's not healthy like we don't let go of things because we think something better will not come yeah but like spoiler alert it only gets better <laughs> um yeah so I thought that was interesting because like I came back from Nepal thinking this was the probably like the highlight of my life like I'm so sad now yeah but then um no why why do we think like that I know and then you built the library you know when you came back so yeah, yeah. And you can it can only get bigger from here and I guess the last like the last thing I want to ask is how can any uni student listening help or get involved yeah. or what can we do um so in terms of my personal project if you wanted to read more about it or contact me it's library for Batase is the name of the project mm-hmm. and the charity is called friends of Himalayan children but um if like your way of helping to me would be to actually start your project because imagine if every university around the world started a project for a village like imagine how many villages we would be impacting and it doesn't have to be overseas it can be in our own hometowns in um, remote communities within Australia like we can start here yeah um so if you come across an issue that you're somehow passionate about don't let it go like it's come to you've come across it because there's a reason why um and yeah always believe in the power of your passion that to me helping and I guess like it's easy to think oh there's this problem and no one's doing anything about it like you saw the problem and you could have easily said oh that's very that's very sad and upsetting that there's this issue of human trafficking but oh well what can I do about it or you know so I think that taking that step and being the because somebody has to do something about it you know exactly so being that person is and don't be discouraged lots of adults are skeptical because I think they want to like protect you like oh I don't want you to go down the hard road or like get um rejected but they don't have to protect us from that like we can face it and we can face the obstacles and also another tip I got from the director of libraries without borders was um, these kind of projects will hurt you mm-hmm. and I didn't understand but now I do um, hurt me in the sense like there's going to be haters there's going to be days it's just not going to work yeah but at the end you'll come out stronger and better um, so please please stick to it and like dreams really really do come true wow thank you so much for all your wise words and thank you so much for you know, making a difference and making a change and inspiring so many people. You've inspired me as well. And I'm really, um, feel more powerful now as a uni student. Um, and I guess the last thing is that on this podcast, I always play a game with my guests at the end, (laughs) just to keep it fun, keep it lighthearted. Um, and today we're going to start a bit of a, um, trend or a bit of a recurring game and it's called rapid fire round. So, I'm going to time how quickly you can answer these questions and we're going to see which one of our guests 
um, has the quickest time. Okay, that's terrifying, but okay. <laughs> so just give me one second and I will pull up my timer. Okay, ready, set, go. So first question is, if you could buy any type of food right now, what would you buy? Momos. What is your dream job? Human rights lawyer. Morning or night person? Both. Favourite hobby? Writing on my Instagram, Cambridge as possible. <laughs> Fashion trend you just don't get? I don't like fluoro colours. What's the last film you watched? Um, Charlie Chaplin's Modern Times. If you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? London. I'll say Where would you visit if you had the chance? Uh, Mongolia. Favourite memory? The day we opened the library. And what challenges you? My previous goals. 38 seconds and 57 milliseconds. Wow. <laughs> so um, let's see how our other guests perform in our future podcast. Um, but thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Um, I think we've all learned a lot. I've learned a lot. And yeah, I can't wait to see where this all goes with your library and who this inspires. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. See ya. See you.